Hey, good morning for those of you who it's morning still for. Um, recording this around two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, today is my down day, so after this, I'll probably get to some emails. Um, made a bunch of food for the week and had a friend over. We chatted for a bit. And then starting tomorrow, get back into English hour, get back into. Uh, some of the more normal things that happen in a, in a regular week for me, uh, but today it'll be a little bit slow, so that's why I have time to to drop in. Um, I wanted to do more of these this month, um, this last month, but was just kind of busy with uh, lots of different stuff going on. I know it always is, uh, but hopefully uh, I'll make this one a little longer to give you... Um, I guess the the extra that you didn't get in the middle of March. Um, so there's a story uh, I mentioned in my written uh, letter to you about a guy who uh, came to me around 10 o'clock at night with his friends asking for advice, and I was I was probably about 30 minutes away from wanting to go to bed. Um, so I was pretty tired, not in the not in the most, um, I don't know how I would say that. I'm normally better at speaking than, than I am at 11 o'clock at night. And so, um, you know, in Arabic, it's hard enough to, to give advice when it's the middle of the day, when you're used to it. But when you're about to go to bed, things, things change. So, so they came up to me and um, they said, our friend is shy, but... He knows who you are, and he has a question for you. And I said, okay, well, yeah, let's, let's have the question. And he says, well, I, uh, and this is all in Arabic, but I'll do translation. He says, I go to girls sitting at tables at coffee shops and introduce myself. And I guess uh, I know that's not a good idea because they don't know me. And then I, you know, uh, I'm really discouraged because I've always wanted to date a girl, but, you know, I didn't want to tell anybody that I do this. So we start talking about it. I start asking him some questions like, you know, um, I, first of all, I was like, I, I thought that you said you were shy. You know, he was shy because he didn't want to tell me about this. But at the same time, it's like the opposite of shyness if you go up to random coffee shops and uh, introduce yourself to girls sitting at tables. Um, that's a really bad idea. So I said, I thought you said you were shy, and they kind of laughed. Um, but we started talking about, like, okay, why do you do this? What do you really want? Um, and, yeah, it was very, a very interesting conversation because, um, you know, the truth is he he has a very hard time, like, I think some people have a hard time seeing how what they're saying reflects on them, back on them, you know. And uh, so I was trying to explain, like, to this guy who should know by now. He's old enough to know, but um, you know, that's like the person who is really trying to sell you something. It kind of makes you nervous, and um, all everyone gets nervous around you because you're you're going around acting like you're lacking something um, and you just need that one thing and that is a really uncomfortable position for you to put other people in and that's why they always go home after you walk up to them and start talking to them because they're uncomfortable 
Um, and so we were just chatting a little more about this and um, just trying to give him advice um, on how not to make other people leave coffee shops that he goes to, um, thinking all the while that it was 11 o'clock at night and that if his friends knew that I could give him advice, they certainly should have been able to give him this advice, and maybe they have. Um, but anyways, I, I haven't seen him since. I hadn't seen him before. Uh, maybe, maybe I saw him once, but um, I don't know what the result was. It was a good language thing for me to, to give advice and to um, you know, be put in that situation and some of my students study very late and I always tell them it's good to study late because it's good to see what you can say when you're tired and it was probably good for me as well um, but at the same time I think that even if I didn't know any of the language I could have explained to him that that was a bad idea but at the end of the day what I told him was people probably think you're a really nice guy the problem is that you think you're a loser when you're not with someone and so you're going around basically asking other people to make you not a loser and just even if you have to pretend that you're not one because you feel like one just pretend that you aren't and then uh, you have you give off a lot better of a vibe and I was uh, thinking of this part of Man Alive um, the end of the book there's these, these two people who are talking about um, about men, these two women, uh, and they're by a window. And the one woman says to the other, uh, look for a man who looks out at the world and is interested by it. And who is in a house looking out through a window. Look not for a man who is basically outside of the house looking into a window, looking at you, like trying to like figure out uh, how he can get in. Like, um, and she said, that is the kind of man you want to be, you want to be attached to. Um, that was always interesting to me. Uh, you know, do we, do we, you know, perceive ourselves as just this, this person who lacks someone and who, um, what house can I get in or are we are we you know our own unit and um, I think uh, in all relationships it's a lot healthier um, you know for both on that self-sufficient level to begin with not um, needing X or Y or Z or starting from you know just a place where one person's already a little bit uncomfortable um, so anyways, that's what I tried to tell him in Arabic. And that was the first and last time I will probably ever give him advice. Then I um, I read Lilith again, which, you know, involved just going over the Kindle highlights and whatever. And I, I really enjoyed that about Kindle that you can just kind of skim through really, really quickly, pick up some highlights and then leave and kind of remember the big parts of a book. Really thankful that I have the ability to do that. Uh, not many people in history have, but uh, I love the book so much like uh, The Great Divorce. And he goes through this world 
where it's um, in the great divorce, uh, the premise of the book is that this man goes to the afterlife by train and normally the heaven and hell are these separated uh, separated places, but the dead have a holiday and so they're out. Um, that's that's what I remember. And so anyways, there's this man that kind of guides you through the book. Um, but in in this book, there's a raven that guides the man through the book and, uh, and through this world. And it's it's kind of like heaven and hell at the same time in the in the land that he's in. He found it through a mirror in his library. And so he's going around and he, he finds these people who are like, um, suffering various punishments or um, not being punished at all, you know, in, in the same area. It's just an interesting read because, um, you know, George MacDonald's a very contemplative guy. You see the, the little pieces here and there of, uh, of mere Christianity, some of the seeds of that. Uh, there's a really, really good part of the, of the beginning of the book where the man doesn't want to go into this place and the raven says, do you, do you think me a bad man? Uh, no, he says, I don't. And he says, well, do you think me a liar? He says, no, I don't think you're a liar. And the raven says, well, then why don't you believe me? Um, and you think of, uh, you know, liar, lunatic, lord, and you see maybe where it came from. And you definitely see where Narnia came from as, as the man, you know, goes into the the upper part of his library and he sees the mirror and he sees a world beyond it um so it's a fun read lilith it's free online there's some crazy stuff in it and then i was also um doing that not just to to remember a few things i could maybe say or send to someone but because mcdonald is so full of faith and even though the book is not you know, a text that is meant to be parsed and, and preached. Um, reading it was really life-giving to me for for the reason that I live around so much doubt and skepticism and um, just a totally different world that, that to read somebody who believes something enough to, to write fiction about it, you know, and to, and to uh, experience those truths and express those truths in a, in a fresh way um, and to reread that and to see um, you know his take on it was so nice I just I can't stress enough how much you live in skepticism here um, and when you're out of your own culture it just it feels like um, how can I put it like have you ever listened to a debate between two people who you both thought were wrong um, it's very difficult to keep listening um, you don't you don't necessarily resonate with either side uh, certainly one makes a good point then the other comes back and makes another good point but all the while as you listen you almost begin to feel this maybe apathy or cynicism or um, you know, discussed with the debate, and then at the same time, um, you stop thinking in your own what what you think because the only things in front of you are those two uh, those two competing sides. 
And so it's really important to be reminded regularly, um, you know, with books like Lilith, um, that, you know, I'm not an island and I'm not, you know, crazy. Um, those are those are things I, I read to remember. So then I'm now reading at the back of the North Wind again, slowly. Uh, I get there every now and then. And um, there's a boy who kind of has adventures with the North Wind. The North Wind is this kind of personified woman who takes him around and does lots of uh, you know, cool stuff, and and the little boy gets to see it and ask questions, and North Wind answers, and that's kind of the the way that the book goes. Um, and so near the end of the first chapter, the boy is asked, you know, are you ready? Are you ready to leave your room? Uh, travel with me throughout the night. And the boy says, Well, please, North Wind, you are so beautiful. I am quite ready to go with you. You must not be ready to go with everything beautiful all at once, Diamond. Uh, the boy's name is, is Diamond. But what's beautiful can't be bad. You're not bad, North Wind. No, I'm not bad. But sometimes beautiful things grow bad by doing bad. And it takes them some time for their badness to spoil their beauty. So little boys may be mistaken if they go after things because they are beautiful. Well, I will go with you, because you are beautiful and good, too. Ah, but there's another thing, Diamond. What if I should look ugly without being bad? Look ugly myself, because I am making ugly things beautiful. What then? I don't quite understand you, North Wind. You tell me what, then. Well, I will tell you. If you see me with my face all black, don't be frightened. If you see me flapping wings like a bat's, as big as the whole sky, don't be frightened. If you hear me raging ten times worse than Mrs. Bill, the blacksmith's wife, even if you see me looking in at people's windows like Mrs. Eavesdropper, the gardener's wife, you must believe that I am doing my work. Nay, Diamond, if I change into a serpent or a tiger, you must not let go of your hold of me, for my hand will never change in yours if you keep a good hold. If you keep a hold... You will know who I am all the time, even when you look at me and can't see me the least like the north wind. I may look something very awful. Do you understand? Quite well, said Little Diamond. Come along then, said North Wind, and disappeared behind the mountain of hay. Diamond crept out of bed and followed her. That's the end of the, the chapter. I love the end there. Um, where North Wind is trying to convince him, don't go with me because I'm beautiful. And then even if I'm good, don't go with me because I'm beautiful. And um, just really um, fun to read. So then uh, we're getting close to the cutoff point here. But I also just wanted to say, um, if I were to divide mentally um, my life up into stages, sections, whatever, uh, I'd have about 5% here. Um, but if I were to divide it up like spatially, um, what percentage of my mind 
and thoughts and memories that I actively use or whatever here. Um, I think it'd be closer to 35 to 50%. And then even higher for, you know, what I'm actually using every day. But that's insane. That's totally nuts. And people around the world, you know, adapt to that way, as do you. I think if you were to, you know, take your current job or your current place you live and actually figure out how much of my life has actually been spent here versus how much I I think in it, uh, I think you'd be a little surprised. I think it's a healthy exercise, a good thing to remember. Uh, though so much of my life happens here right now, it's 5%. Um, you know, 5% is all. And of course I would like to invest more, get to know more, and grow more. But it's just good to remember where we've come from, all the different things we've experienced and enjoyed. And so I've been asking people that here uh, who are foreigners, like, what percentage of your life do you do you think you've lived here? And then just offering that kind of reminder that, you know, it's been a small number for you, even though we are all here 100% right now. And... Um, yeah, so anyways, it's it's hard to uh, remember that everything back home is happening the same and that uh, probably difficult for you to imagine 24 hours a day over here what it would be like. But, you know, it's good. It's good for me. And I'm remembering all the time that uh, this is not how I grew up. This is not how I was raised. This is not how, um, even though I'm used to this now, I overall, you know, I'm more used to this other thing. Uh, like eating dinner at nine o'clock is just never going to be normal to me. But, uh, you know, other things, uh, other things like, losing the idea of the value of a dollar. I don't remember. I mean, I know that like $5 is a small amount of money and it can't buy you many things in the store and that a good sandwich should be like 7 or $8. And if it's, you know, 11 then it's probably a little too nice of a restaurant. Um, I remember that stuff, but I'm not used to working in that currency anymore. I'm more used to another one. I can tell you more about this other one. And, you know, being here for over a year and just telling story after story and thing after thing that have happened, um, you know, I, I just always am having to remind myself of that, or I will think, um, I guess feel crazy. You, you feel crazy if you if you're that resistant to something and yet you live as if it's the only thing that's out there. And I'll end this with one more story from class. Um, and this will help you understand what it's like to, to go from not knowing what I need to learn next to 
you know, that next stage. So I brought some chocolate that I told you about in my in my letter to work, and I I wanted some sixteen conversations out of sixteen pieces of chocolate. And so I was talking to the first person, um, you know, that was there. I said, "What should I learn with these?" And it came up that um, I hadn't really listened to much music, and I felt like I could understand some now. So I basically I got the favorite song of several different people, and someone told me, um, "Here's this one. Listen to it. If you understand the meaning, you will cry." And that was interesting to me because um, of all the ones that I had been told about, that one was the one that, from the title, I really understood the best, uh, except for one word that I just had no idea what. What meant? And so then that home, uh, that night at home, listened to the song, and I didn't understand that word after listening to the whole song, and it felt like the word was so important um, to the meaning of the song that by learning that one word, I would understand everything else. And I couldn't find it. I tried to look it up. I, you know, um, and so I. I went to my lesson the next day with that song. I said, we've got to figure this out together. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's a super old song. Da, 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 da. And so my tutor and I were talking, listening through the song. Uh, it took two hours for us to get through it and understand the whole thing. And so there's this woman that um, she says this word and then like abroad is the next English translation. You, you you did this to me abroad, and then that word is vague. I couldn't figure out what it meant. Um, and he said, well, yeah, yeah, the guy took this girl from, from her country, and she went to, you know, somewhere abroad, some, some country that was supposed to be nicer. And then when she was older, he left her, and so she was very sad, so she wrote this song. And then there's this course part where she says, you know, I'll never forget you. I'm afraid that I'm going to, um, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to die, this and that, whatever. But I'm never going to forget you. And um, I've wasted my life. I tried to do the right thing, whatever. It made sense to me. After about, you know, two painstaking hours of trying to understand this poetry because it's older so much so that, you know, most people my age wouldn't know it, um, wouldn't know the meaning of these words. Or if they know the meaning, they are literary and they're not used every day. And, and then I'd say, okay, so which word here is the object of this verb? And well, there's two. And well, there's well, there's no and. And you know how hard poetry can be. So then I, after those two hours, got the meaning and proudly went to the the person who gave me that song. And so I said, so this is the meaning. And she was just like, who told you that, you know? Um, and the person that had explained it to me had just gotten it all wrong. And and so I guess the, the word is not that he left me abroad, it's that he uh, sentenced me abroad, that 
that what he did to me by marrying me and telling me, hey, let's go to my country, it was like a sentence. And even though I was told that life was better over here, I'm, I'm sad because I, I left, you know, everything. I lost everything. And so when she says, like, I'm afraid I'm going to die here, I'll never forget you, she's actually kind of talking to the country, to her home country, to where I am. Um, and it was, it was cool to come full circle and to get the meaning of each individual word, but not have that one and then have it kind of unlock the whole song. So now that's something that I enjoy listening to because I feel like I understand it. And I also would have had that same feeling, understanding it incorrectly from the first person. And it's, it's true that, you know, if you go to an average Joe in the States and ask him, hey, can you explain this famous English song, I don't know what song, they probably will offer you an individual interpretation that, you know, might not be good, might not be accurate. Um, but it was good, it was fun, it was, uh, it was nice to do the work, put it in and try and, and figure out what, what I could understand and what I couldn't. And so um, I learned a, a lot in that whole process. And so you go from not having any idea to getting an idea to running after it by yourself and then by getting someone to help and then afterwards by going back to the original person and getting kind of a check on it. And so that is the way you learn and the way I do things over here. And uh, I hope that you're doing well and that it's not so long for next time I send something out like this.